This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome everybody to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. Have to do. Uh, I am joined. I am Sam Heskin. I'm joined by my good friend Albert. Hello, Albert. Hello, mate. I was really tempted just to stay completely silent. So it was literally just you, and you would have to just try and carry on and make it a one man show. Um, but I didn't. No good. I'm sweating just thinking about that. <laughs> um, so, little bit of a little point of order before we start. Um, Terence is not with us this week um but unlike most weeks that we're not here he actually has a very good reason albert holiday sort of what is that he's had a let's baby. be honest yeah he's not going on holiday anytime soon because he's just had his, his second child um we don't know the name yet so Hopefully we learn that soon. But obviously, congratulations to Terence and Linda. Um, all I'll say is having two is more than twice the work of having one. He did send us a message that he was trying to find the vasectomy ward um, yeah. two minutes after giving us the, the good news. So um, he's uh, MIA at the moment. We don't know if he's, if he made it to the ward or collapsed under the weight of pressure. They've but got we'll... two children, one of which is brand new. If he if he thinks he's anywhere near in danger of of having a third, you know he must be delirious or something. <laughs> that's that's not that's not going to be something he has to worry about for at least six months, I'd say. Okay, okay, just in time for preseason, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. He could What's he could that? name the he could name the third one after whoever scores us the winner in the FA Cup final. God, what would be the worst person to score the? Uh, what as in in terms of name? Yeah, I'm trying to think who's got a, a rubbish name. Well, I still struggle with uh, Yakim Anderson. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always no I, I, I still read it as Joachim because of Julian Joachim. It's oh, the same God, spelling, isn't it? 
That's a good little whereas Wa- whereas like Joaquin for me is Joaquin Phoenix, which is spelt yes. completely differently. So that would yes. be a, that's a that'd be a tricky one. You'd have to find yourself explaining that one and and spelling it out over the phone to British Gas and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's true. I Jeffrey's think- a good one. Jeffrey's a good one. Don't get many Jeffreys these days. Yeah, Jeff's good. Um, Mark Gay has got quite a long name. Did has you he? know this? Yeah, so his name is Aji Kienenkin Mark Israel Gay. So maybe that is you, quite a long name. If you go down that route, maybe that's Fuck putting that on the back of a palish <coughs> palish shirt. Yeah, seventy-five p a letter. Exactly. Not gonna. It's not seventy-five p a letter anymore, is it? It's just. Is it just all one price now? Oh God knows. I was 34 when I started stopped getting my name on the back of the shirt. So I think that was quite old enough. <laughs> <laughs> Always with a single digit number, though, because I'm quite tight. What happened between 34 and 35 for you to decide that it wasn't appropriate anymore? Um, I was bullied mercilessly by <laughs> literally everyone I know. So that's it about. And do you remember the last name you got on the back of your shirt? Was it your own or was it a player? It was my own. Yeah, of um, course it was. It was and, you, I bet you, and I bet you spelt it E-S-K-I-F, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Can't yeah there you go. Will not confirm that my squad number was 69. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> oh, um, amazing. Yeah, so let's move on. But congratulations to Terence. Um, great news. And I'm sure we will hear all about how little sleep he's got uh, on the next on the next pod. Um, so everyone who's listening will have to bear with me because I'm sort of the host today. Um, yeah, short term this week. Albert is a lot more experienced and a lot more qualified to do this. Um, so apologies for any umming and ahhing because there'll be quite a lot. But let's start off with something positive, um, which is Wilf's goal against Norwich getting goal of the month. Did you see that? Do you know, I, well, I saw the goal. I didn't really, I didn't know. I missed the notification that it's been awarded goal of the month. But he, he yeah. did a, he did a little video talking about basically he scores goals like that all the time in training, uh, and he needs to sort of have the confidence to do it in a game. And of course, he did it against Norwich, and then did the exact same thing against Watford like a week later. So I feel like really he he was nailed on to win goal of the month because he had two goals of the month in one. So you sort of like if he was like a a street fighter character, you're saying that would be a special move. That would be a special move, yeah. That would be a special move. Yeah, I mean Good he's combo. definitely scored goals like that before as well. He has. Um, uh, Huddersfield away was one of them. Yeah, and I mean when he hits that, when he hits that, when he hits it and he hits it right, it is unstoppable. So yeah. I'm I'm up for seeing him try that at least ten times a game. He he, he sort of tried it again against Wolves when Elise yeah. did a magical bit of flip floppery and got got past half the wolves team and sort of sprayed the ball cross pitch oh the big the big switch the big switch the big after switch. the little the little drag back and i don't know what he did but that that wolves def- uh, midfield that tried to slide tackle him i don't know i don't know what happened to him yeah uh he's probably bossing it against watford right now actually as we record oh, yeah. that wolves midfielder 4-0 um, up at the time of recording Oh, poor well Roy. Roy there. Poor Roy. Poor Roy. Uh, but speaking of Wolves and the, the game uh, we played so well in, 
Uh, Gareth Southgate was there watching the game uh, with with a lot of sort of reports that two of the players that he was he was watching were Tyrick Mitchell and Mark Gay, uh, both of whom played very very well. So, what do you think? Impressed? Get them into the squad? Yeah, well, I think Mitchell Gay and obviously I know there's a lot of headlines about Elise now. You know, Gareth. You know, one headline today: Gareth Southgate in a race to, you know, get Elise to commit to England. But yeah, I thought there was three, three very good performances there. And, you know, and there's Gallagher as well, who had, who had one of his better games in, in recent weeks, you know, I think that and, and Watford as well. Um, but Mark, I mean, we've, we've, we've touched on this before. Mark Gay, he just gets better every week. And yeah, I think, you look at the and 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 the same goes for Mitchell as well. You look at the options that England have got in those positions, and I mean, I'd love to say that they're definitely going to get a, a run out. You know, I'm not I'm not touting them to nick a starting place or go to you know go to the World Cup or, but yeah, Gareth Southgate's got a very good track record of letting players like that just come into the squad and and, and get a cap and have a turn. You know, and he'd be mad if he wasn't looking at certainly Gay. He certainly Mitchell. Um, and giving them a chance, you know. I think Gallagher's got a bit of a, a, a tougher job because that midfield sort of that midfield role for England has got quite a few people queuing up, and you know, arguably at bigger and better clubs. Um, and Elise, I mean, Lord knows what's going to happen with him. It'd be great to see him turn out for England. Um, but yeah, those those two defenders particularly, I think Gareth Southgate would be mad to to not give him a run out. You look at you look at the state of English defenders at the moment. Um, not naming any names, Harry Maguire, uh, and you know, and you know, English left backs. There's not, there's not a huge amount of them at the moment, so they'd be mad to not give them a run out. And I think it's also a good indication of how Palace are going. Where, you know, for example, Mark Gay made the decision to leave Chelsea permanently, and going. We'll, we'll touch on it briefly in a minute, but going on what's happening with them at the moment. Looks like they're not going to be able to bring anyone in for a while. Um, but he made that decision to leave them permanently and come to Palace, and within half a season, is it's paying off, you know. And I think that's a good, good sign for other players to come to to, to Palace. You know, they'll get game time under Vieira, playing in a certain way, which you know is enjoyable to watch, and and we're sort of getting better at it, I think. Um, so um, uh, hopefully, you know, they'll get they'll get. An England call up, and that in turn will sort of make people take more notice of Palace and and maybe help us getting signings in the summer. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, in, historically, uh, under previous managers, um, and I think you know Hodgson included, you know, players had to English players had to sort of force a move away from clubs like us to go to a top four, top six, top eight club to even stand a chance of getting selected for a friendly, you know, let alone getting game time in a qualifier or a tournament. You know, there was, there's, there's always been in, in previous years, previous managers of England, you know, a, a, a very legitimate big club bias. And that's always been our worry, you know. I think, you know, we had it with, cast my mind back, like, you know, the Routledge situation, you know. I think it was Routledge, you know, agent telling him, well, if you, if you've got any, if you want any chance of playing for England, you've got to leave, all that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, and again, credit to Gareth Southgate. I think that's that's becoming less and less the case. You know, if you're if you're if you're an English player who's in form, 
and you're playing regularly, you're, it doesn't matter if you're top half, bottom half, you know, you, you remove a shout of, of getting a cap or two. And, you know, Mark, Mark Gahey and Tariq Mitchell should, should hopefully feel sort of, they don't need to, they don't, listen, everybody's got aspirations of playing in the Champions League and whatever, bigger clubs, bigger stadiums. But certainly in the case of those two, you know, Mitchell's obviously been at the club a long, longer time. Gay, he's been here, been here six months. You know, hopefully he's not feeling, oh, well, I need to try and progress to the next level and go to a whatever, whatever top six club to, to be in a be within a chance of an England cap. So, you know, it, it, the way that England set up is run at the moment. I think it. I think it benefits clubs like us because hopefully it it means we're we're less prone to having players sort of poached under us in the hope of making it at international level. And you you, you mentioned it briefly about Michael Elise uh, reports coming out today that Southgate wants to talk to him to persuade him to to declare for England because I think. I've read in the past he, he's eligible for France, Nigeria, and possibly Algeria as well. Um, but the, the last time I remember Southgate talking to a player to persuade them to declare for England, uh, Wilf chose Ivory Coast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, I mean, the, the fact that Southgate wants to talk to Elise anyway now shows the mark that Elise's made this season. And Vieira was talking about it in the press saying, you know, we always knew how good Elise was. We just wanted to ease him into first team football. And I think with hindsight, even though we all wanted him in the team sooner, it's paying dividends at the moment because he really is untouchable with the ball, you know, at Wolves, like you say, that their players were falling over and slipping over and just not getting anywhere near him. So the fact that he's being talked about potentially for England call-ups even if it's at very early days when he's only played half a season of Premier League football, um, shows that he's going in the right direction as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, it's a position it's a position for England where you sort of think, well, who, you know, who who are England's best, you know, out and out wide midfielders? There's lots of people that do play on the outside of the you know, the three, whether it's Harry Kane up front or someone else, you know. Um, but they're all players who, I mean, apart from Raheem Sterling, they're all players who, who do a good job out there. But again, they're not necessarily natural out and out wide players. And I mean, Elise, whilst again we've we've seen it a couple of times with Palace, he's very good playing at sort of the number ten role as well. Surprisingly good at it, actually. Um, you know, he's an out and out wide man, um, and you know the havoc that he can cause on that wing, and and, and still with the ability to. To, to, to cut in and get a shot away or to put a cross in, you know, from still that wide position. Again, I, I just can't... If they can convince him to declare for England, they'd be mad to not let him have a chance. I think he's, you know, he's just, again, coming on leaps and bounds. Uh, so, moving on. Um, I don't have a segue. I'm no good at those. Uh, but there are a couple of um, really good... Uh, well, one was an interview... Uh, on a podcast and one was a video uh, for International Women's Day that Palace put out. Uh, the video was um, a sort of 15-minute interview of High Money, the photographer, who has sort of been a, a Palace legend for ages and a name synonymous of all the famous photos you saw, especially during the 80s and 90s. Um, and she had a, a little interview on the Palace YouTube um, where she talked about all of the sort of all of the issues she had trying to be a photographer, 
all of the abuse she got from the from the male photographers at the time and how she sort of overcame it. Um, and she talks about some of her iconic photos and, and how they came about. So I would say that's well worth a watch. Uh, and the podcast interview is with Molly Sharp, who um, plays for the Palace women's team this year. And it's uh, an interview by uh, Back of the Nest Zone producer Sam and Cara. Uh, I'm sure most of you listening to this will already have have listened to it, but it's a very good listen and talks about uh, Molly, how she got into the game, going to America on a scholarship and and coming, how she got to play for Palace and, you know, how important it is that the profile of women's football has been raised for, for younger kids, both girls who can look at them and say, you know, this is something I can do as a profession. Uh, and also boys to look at and say, well, there's no reason that girls or women shouldn't be playing football as well. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, it's um, it'll be on your back of the nest feed. It's well worth a listen. Uh, it's definitely um, something that we will try and do a bit more of, I think. Cara and Sam have done a, a great job with that one. So if you like it and you've listened to it, give us a shout. The more support we get for it, the better, obviously, and the more we can do in the future. I wasn't paid by Cara or Sam to say that. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> did that sound natural? No. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, I was, I was about to say you know, who needs a segue? Ter- oh, Terrence. Ruined it. Shit. I don't think Terence needs to come back. Okay. I'll take that. That's fine. He can, he um, can go for that vasectomy. Oh, I was going to try and make a segue pun with the word snip there but I wasn't quick enough um, or do I will snip that bit out Boom. something like that something Watching. like that yeah. fantastic fantastic on to a completely separate non-segued uh, point Chelsea are in trouble that was an answer well today. yeah I mean who saw that uh, yeah I, I mean I've, I've only sort of caught I've only just sort of caught up on sort of the the major headlines, but I don't, and I don't know if it's just being sensationalized, but yeah, it sounds like they're in a, um, yeah, they're sort of, they sound like they're in the real shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing that s- stood out when I was reading, it was that I say only cause it is football in terms, but they only get 20 grand for travel and they've got to go to France for the champions league soon. So they're either going to jump on the mega bus to Dover, they're going to swim in dinghies, or they're going to be slumming it on EasyJet or Ryanair with the rest of the peasants. I wonder how they're going to deal with that. Or they're going to, someone's going to have to, you know, five of them are going to have to just drive you know, four <laughs> or five people. Yeah. that can, it's, if, if that was an, an Amazon documentary, that would be the week worth filming, I reckon. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, get, get them in a camper van and have them hitchhiking across France. So I'm I'm right in saying that they're not they're not allowed to the, the way somebody described to me is they're not allowed to sort of accrue any new business or yeah. so match day so, tickets. If you know, if if I wanted to go to Chelsea next weekend, I wouldn't be able to buy a ticket. It would only right. be season ticket holders. I mean, that's quite hilarious. And they're not allowed to buy or sell. So 
um, friend of the pod, Carl, did tweet immediately upon reading the news that it, this doesn't mean we're going to get Conor Gallagher for like a packet of Monster Munch, which is kind of a shame. Um, Multi-pack of Monster Munch? Well, I'd push <laughs> the boat out. I'd do it. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're in a bit of trouble there. Um, and I have to say, I don't feel sorry for them one bit. No, not at all. I mean, obviously, it's a sort of knock-on effect of a much sort of more serious, you know, mm-hmm. shit situation. So, you know, it's sort of difficult to revel in it too much because, like I say, it's it's as a result of some horrendous stuff going on. But purely in football terms and speaking exclusively in football terms, it is, you know, you know, it's 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 good to see that even though it's not being in, you know, it's not being, uh, what's the word? It's not being actioned by fo- the football body itself. It's actioned by obviously the government and, and all that stuff. But it, it, it's good to see that there is kind of a, uh, even, even at, at what cost, but it's good to see that there is some sort of like, we do, you know, push come to shove. We are aware that there's, illeg- whatever you want to call it, illegitimate money, shady money in football um and that you know and, and a a it shouldn't be allowed and b that you know it, it can hopefully face consequences you know and do i feel sorry for the average chelsea fan on the street who has no choice necessarily and who runs their club maybe but in terms of, and I think Simon, I think it was Simon Jordan who said that you know Roman Abramovich has been sort of heralded as this guy that transformed the Premier League, and you know, he came out and sort of said, "No, no, he didn't." Football was always on an, an upward trajectory. The, the the brand of the Premier League, and and Abramovich sort of came in with, you know, almost even regardless of where the money's come from, he sort of came in and and sort of sp- sort of spoiled the game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, and obviously we've seen that, you know, Man City, there's questionable money there. Newcastle, in very recent history, there's you know questionable money there Everton obviously with Usmanov um it's good to see that you know it can't it can't just be brushed under the carpet again whether that's something that the the football authorities themselves have decided or you know a greater power has decided so you know I'd like I'd like to think that it might you know the fit and proper person's test which let's face it is clearly a load of fucking bullshit you know maybe that maybe that change is moving forward and we start actually thinking a bit more about, you know, what, what we're allowing into the game and what's, you know, the money that's sloshing round, where's it actually been sloshed from? Well, from the ugly side of the game, Albert, to the beautiful side of the game, Palace's first half against Wolves was absolutely brilliant. Um, and a lot of people have said that it was, the best sort of 45 minutes in the first half that we've had all season. But also what a good uh, defensive display it was in the second half, where we sort of, we, we, we weren't as attacking as, as we had been, but we defended very well. We didn't go way too deep as we've been guilty of in the past this season. We didn't let in silly late goals. Uh, and Vieira, I think, said that it was sort of his his most complete performance as a team under him this season um what did you what did you make of it yeah i think speaking in in sort of very reductive terms you know as you've alluded to the the first half was magnificent um 
And I think, to be honest, I think even myself at times in the second half was like, oh, what are we doing? You know, why aren't we as good as we were in the first half? But ultimately, we didn't need to be as good as we were in the first half, or we certainly didn't need to play in the same style. You know, we were really on the front foot in the first half. And, you know, I mean, I mean, it happened when we beat Wolves at home as well. You know, they were a team that's really in form. And listen, I know it was Watford tonight, but they've put they've put four past somebody tonight. Um so yeah, I mean the, the the first half was sort of mind blowing. Uh, every you know, every I I sort of winced a little bit at the at the lineup, um, but again was hap- happily proved wrong by a couple of people on the pitch. Um, and then se- yeah, second half you sort of come out and yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to go on and score another two goals in the second half. We just need to make sure we're not giving sloppy chances away. Um, we're keeping it solid, and we sort of went. I, I guess we sort of reverted to you know what we would all expect under again previous seasons you know trying to trying to hit people on the break you know we weren't on the front foot necessarily and I thought the subs that Vieira made were good I thought again I'll say it Luca I thought he went when he came on he was brilliant did the job exactly that he was supposed to do um again after a couple of dodgy performances over the sort of recent weeks he came on and I thought he was he was perfect in that role um, I thought the, the only negative, and again, I'm not going to sit here and, and say, "Wow, it was shit." I thought, you know, I thought um, Ben Teke struggled a little bit when he came on, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, we I think we know this about Ben Teke. If Ben Teke doesn't get a, doesn't get a run of a run of minutes or a run of you know appearances when he does get back in the team, whether it's starting or you know off the bench, kind of takes him a bit to get sort of back up to speed and um yeah I thought he I thought he looked a bit rusty he couldn't really get a foot on the ball but you know he was battling and, and winning headers and shoring us up at the back like he does uh so yeah I thought it was it was it was a it was a real game of two halves but in in both of those halves we did exactly what we needed to do and it was executed brilliantly yeah I, I completely agree it was it was a, a bit weird watching how good we were in the first half you know, it was just very comfortable. Every time we had the ball, we looked dangerous. I thought, again, Mateta played well, just running around a lot. And 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 I think to your point on Benteke, and this is no shade on him because because I do like him as well, but he's not scoring that first goal. You know, he doesn't make the dart to the front post and anticipate Wilf getting the ball in. And I think his his issue a lot of the time is he kind of tries to tee himself up for the perfect shot, Benteke. And there was a couple of yeah. chances in the second half where a ball got played into him in the box and you just think, just, just you know, swing your leg at it. If it don't go in, it don't go in, but just have a shot. And he'd sort of take another touch to try and set himself up and then it would get cleared, it would get blocked. And that's just not, you know, that's just not the player he is. Mateta is a lot more instinctive, I think, up front. I think Edouard is as well, but... You know, we we put Benteke on for different reasons, and and like you say, without a real run in the team, if he's coming on for sort of ten, fifteen minutes here and there, then it's quite hard to to really get a foot in the game for Benteke. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you say. I think everyone played well, and in the second half, we we didn't have to go all guns blazing. You know, we we contained him pretty well. Obviously, during the game, there were moments where I just thought, oh god, just get rid of it. But then when you look back on it. He went really in any trouble. I think Guaita made a good save. Um, I think with his head, 
but really <laughs> he, he he wasn't he wasn't really troubled that much and as as much as wolves well before today weren't in an amazing run of form you know are still they still were eighth in the league I think when we played them so they're not they're not shit and for us to comprehensively beat a team like that is is pretty impressive um one thing horrible bunch horrible, horrible bunch. bunch oh horrible I mean bunch. Si- similar to the home to the home uh home fixture cynical yep going down staying down rolling around surrounding the ref like yeah, really, really. So, I'm, like I say, I'm really glad that we managed to outclass them in in every respect because, you know, they were they were certainly trying to fight dirty, shall we say? Yes, they were. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Um, one thing that did come out sort of in, in recent days uh, is a story which I don't really think has much, you know, I don't think it really has any legs, but talk of um, Vieira and Odson Edouard falling out. Um, the, the article I saw was very sort of generic basically saying players on the subs bench wish on the subs bench wish they were playing which is pretty standard fare I would imagine any player who's not playing would want to play um but obviously he hasn't been playing as much he he hasn't started I think he started against Brentford but but that's it but then you look at Mateta's form he's he's scoring goals he's looking good he's his game suits the way we're playing at the moment. You know, he is a bit sort of all arms and legs, but he, he presses really high. He's always running around and, and he anticipates, like I said. So what do you think that Edouard is going to get back in the team soon? Do you think it's just a case of waiting until Mateta's sort of hit a bit of bad form? Or do you think... Yeah, yeah, probably. Rotate? I mean, I mean, to be honest... And this is going to sound maybe a bit callous. I actually don't. I don't care who's starting out of those three because they're all, they're all, uh, all three of those players are players that I like and I think can do a job. You know, I've, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still big on Benteke when he gets a run in the team, and I think he's when he has had a run in the team. I think he's sort of shown glimpses of sort of what we'll call pre-injury Benteke. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the uh, I saw the uh, Spurs goals again from the home game. You know, Edward's debut and those really instinctive finishes. And I think he's 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 clearly clearly got a lot to offer us. And and I think Mateta's taken you know probably probably most of us by surprise. You know, he was you know he didn't he didn't have a great time under Roy, bar the couple of rascal goals. Um, and he's 
And he's kind of one that, you know, let's be real. In January, we were sitting on this pod and I, and I, and I, I, I can't pull up the, those, those, you know, the eyes, the eyes and the nose, but you know, we were debating, do we keep him? Do we send him back? Do you cut your losses? And I think it was shortly after them, obviously the Millwall goal, which again, just in, in all the context and in terms of celebrations, it's one of the, it's, it's probably one of the best things I've ever seen in an away end. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think you know you have to give credit to Mateta and you have to give credit to Vieira for the fact that he's now playing and whether whether you whether you like it as an individual or not, he's keeping Christian Benteke and what was probably one of our marquee signings in on odds on Edouard on the bench. You know, Edouard's not getting a sniff at the moment, um, and we've all you know we've all got our favourites, we've all got our preferences, but for me, I can't think of a time as a as a as a Palace fan, in in certainly in in Premier League sort of history, you know, having having three strikers who I actually don't care which one of them starts, and I think that's that's a luxury that we haven't had for for the best part of eight nine years, um, and I think it's something that we should all you know actually sit back and enjoy, because now I think we've got we've got a more balanced team, we don't always have to go through Wilf. And Will sort of seems to have transformed his game slightly. He's not he's not trying to beat every player with a trick, you know, and and to the point where he's actually getting slagged off for it a little bit, which is ridiculous because <laughs> yeah. he because he seems to be able to he still seems to be getting round players. He's just maybe you know he's got a bit more quality around him who's happy to take that ball and and find him again. Uh, Elise on the other side, who's who's like I say, you know what half a season into his Palace career and he didn't get a look in sort of during the early stint of that. You know, he's come in and he's really come alive. Jordan Ayew on the bench is coming on and, and putting in a shift. So it's got all, like the person in the middle, the, the sort of focal point of that attack, it's, again, irrelevant isn't the word I'm looking for, but it, it almost doesn't matter because you've got a, such a balanced team that mm. whoever, whoever you put up there, whoever you put up there, whether you're playing a bit more direct for someone like Benteke, Mateta seems to be sort of six or one half dozen the other. You know, you can lump it up to him. He's he's not quite as good in the air as Benteke, but again, he's got a bit more pace and he does look to get in behind. Sometimes he's a bit too keen and the offside flag's gonna catch <laughs> him out. But that's fine. Um, you know, we're we've got we've got a choice of of three strikers who whichever one you put on the pitch, and depending what you put behind and either side of them, we're gonna we're create creating more chances. All right, we're still not creating bucket loads of chances, but Again, this time last year, you know, it was a completely different scenario, and so I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for having those three strikers fighting each other to, to, to earn that shirt. I think, it, I think it's a real prospect for us. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, like you say, the, the guy who's got the got the place in the first team at the moment scoring. You know, if he played five or six games and did nothing, I don't think Vieira would have a problem swapping him out for one. Or, or the other of, of those two on the bench. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. I think we're in a, in a very good spot, you know. Um, even if Benteke goes in the summer, which he might he might conceivably do, Mateta and Edouard are both 24. So they're, they're, they're young, but still got a bit more experience, still learning. Um, and you would, you would think, you know, another year under Vieira with this sort of team and whoever we bring in in the summer that will will improve them even more. So, yeah, I agree. And, and and you talk about sort of the depth that we've got in our squad. 
and everyone having a different opinion on who who would be in the team before the before the Wolves game when when Schlupp was in. I know Hambo is not a fan of of Jeff, and he he uh, he had a bit of a bit of a rant in the WhatsApp. You know, I've been known to not be Jeff's biggest fan. Um, I'd, I'd I'd be a coward if I sat here and said that I wasn't doing the same. So the credit thing, where credit's due. You know, you look at Vieira. He obviously he obviously knows why he's picking him for for a particular game. And the one thing that Schlupp is very good at is sort of bursting forward with the ball. My issue with him is that he doesn't really do it enough in a game or enough consistently over a number of games. But you you look at his performance against Wolves. He he burst through in the box and had a, and had a shot that just went wide. He did it again and got the penalty. And uh, after the after the game, Wilf said, you know, having Schluppy running sort of up the wing allows Wilf to come inside, or if 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 Schlupp runs inside, it creates space for Wilf. So it's obviously a, a specific role that he's there to play. And, you know, similarly, if you look at the cup game against Stoke when we brought Gyro on, I questioned what the fuck he was doing. And then Gyro scored the winner. So, yeah, I mean, it, the depth is great. It's not something we've really we've really had. You know, I, I look at that Watford team and in the year 2022, Tom Cleverley is starting a Premier League game for Watford. So, you know, we're, we're doing fine. But we come to the game on Monday, which is no easy game. Uh, obviously, the visit of Manchester City, who in the second half against Man United, albeit against Man United that sort of had given up, looks absolutely unbelievable. Um, but we beat them at the Etihad. And in the first half against Man U, there were definitely signs that they could be got at. Now, obviously, I'm the miserable one. I'm not going to say that that's going to happen. But how do you view going into this game against Man City? Do you think we'll keep a similar team? Do you think we'll change a striker, change the way we play, bring Hughes back in, bring MacArthur back in? How do you think we'll go? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I've, I, I don't think Vieira will want to change it too much. I think we might we might see a tweak in midfield. Um, I don't know what the James MacArthur situation is at the moment. He seems to be sort of a game in, a game out at the moment. Um, I think I think I think I think Mateta will stay. I think he'll keep his place because you know he's he's a bit more of a he's a bit more of a nuisance. You know he's 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 all limbs, and I'm not I'm not saying that as a bad thing. You know, and he I mean that that goal that he scored on Saturday is 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 pure just being a just being a pain pain in the box and mm-hmm. you know persevering and and I say I, I like I like the fact that he, he might get caught offside every now and then but you know I like the fact that he's try he's trying to break that line um and he's willing to make that run and you know I think if if you think about how we how we uh played against City in the reverse fixture you know that um that Conor Gallagher goal, particularly, you know, it's a it's a counter attack. You know, we 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 know they're going to have most of the ball. Uh, we expect them to have most of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll probably end up. I I probably put Hughes in. Um, I, yeah. I, in fact, I, I, I thing is, I, I I'm saying this, and I know that it's going to be slump. <laughs> 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 yes, yes, I would put Hughes in. Do I expect it to happen? I'm not sure, but 
for me, Kiara has been just imperious since mm-hmm. he came back from the AFCON. You can't you can't drop Kiarte. Can you drop Jeffrey Schlupp based on his last performance? We'll leave that one as a 50-50. Because again, like Hambo, I was a bit like, oh, Schlupp again. But he had a, he had a great game. He did. Uh, Gallagher. Gallagher, it, you'd, you'd feel hard done by if, if, if he missed out. So, yeah, I don't... And at the same time, you want you want Zaha, Elise, and probably Mateta on the pitch at the same time. So again, it's a testament of our depth. We're sit, we're sitting here talking about playing probably the uh, Premier League champions, maybe the FA Cup winners, and maybe the Champions League winners. And we're sitting there going, we don't necessarily know what our best eleven is, and it's and it's for positive reasons. It's not because we haven't got anyone to choose from and anyone can come in there and do a, do a half decent job. And that's not to say that we won't get turned over three nil, but they're, they're more than capable of doing that to us. But it's just, it's just nice to sit here. You know, I'm, am, am I dreading the game? No, I'm not actually. Do I think we'll get anything out of it? Probably not, but I'm also confident that we're not going to get like rubbed over four nil. Um, so again, I think that that's a testament to the team in itself. It is. And, and I think if you look at our, Results of you know recently the wins against Watford and Wolves and not losing much as we'd like to have beaten them not losing to Norwich, Brentford and Burnley who are below us does give us that cushion that buffer where the Man City game is is a free hit like I'm not I'm not trying to be small club mentality or whatever but realistically you look at Man City you know. We're trying to guess what our team is. I've got no idea who Guardiola's going to play because whatever team he puts out is going to have, you know, 11 quality players in it. Um, but we're now not looking over our shoulder where we're thinking, God, we really even try, have to try and get something out of Man City. We have, have got good results in the last sort of five, six games. I think the Chelsea game, obviously we lost late on, but we absolutely didn't deserve to lose that, in my opinion. So that would be another draw, let's say. So it is going to be tough, but but like you say, we shouldn't be overly fearful of what's what's coming. Um, to me, Chelsea is always a team where I'm like, I just and I said this on the pod, I just feel like they're robotic. They we they'll just beat us. Obviously, a lot of the time, Liverpool will beat us. Man City will beat us. But I, there's a little bit of me that's like they they can be got at. We all have to play very very well, and they'll something will have to happen. You know, the A had we did play very well. It obviously helped that they had a man sent off. But when you can call on as we did in the A had, we, we we brought on Elise, and and I think we brought on Schlupp as well. To have that on the bench to come on late in the game is huge. You know, if you look at our bench now, if you say well we're bringing on Edouard or we're bringing on Hughes or bringing on Schlupp. That's good for, for a team. Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Um, yeah, I think... A, I think, I, I, I think yeah, go on. I was going to say, for a team at our level to have options as good as that on the bench, we're a lot... We're in a much better place than we have been in the last few years. And I don't think many teams will have as good a depth of squad as as we do to be honest no completely and listen we we know city are a team that are going to play with a high line you know they the, the the onus is on them to to come and like you know they they can't really afford to drop any points 
you know, live, all right, Liverpool are, are, are behind, but they're not that far behind, and they've still got to play each other. So, any anybody now in the league that's playing Liverpool or City is in for a tough time because n- neither of them will, like Liverpool have to win every every Premier League game between now and the end of the season to, to stand a chance of, of winning the league. And City know that. And like I say, the onus is on them. They can't afford to drop any points. So we they, we know they're going to play on the front foot. We know they're going to play, a, 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 you know, a relatively high line. And I think that plays into our hands. As long as, as long as we're resilient at the back and we don't gift silly goals, you know, if we can get to half-time at nil-nil or within a one-goal swing, you know, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of um, because quite and, and quite frankly if i you know it's, it's not a binary choice but i've said to you would you rather would you rather in on monday night or would you rather beat everton in the cup game i know which game i'm picking yeah so i think we i think we need to go out on monday don't be, don't be scared play our game see if we can we can nick them on the break you know see if mateta can get in behind because we know elise and zaha are more than capable of it yeah um so yeah, I, 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 it's 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 nice to sit here and go, yeah, we're we're playing we're playing <laughs> we're playing Man City, and I'm I'm not that bothered by it to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a good position, and and I, like I said, I think that helps our form, our recent form helps that because even if you look at that Norwich game, all right, drawing one all against Norwich is on paper not great, but that second half we had like whatever eighty percent of the ball, we absolutely hammered them. If Wilf hadn't slipped through in that game, no one worries about it, you know. Um, and I think we, we're capable of, of, of stepping to the level of, of teams like Man City and Liverpool. We had a, a poor first half against Liverpool, and that's what, you know, I agree with you, that's what we need not to do against Man City. If you look at the second half performance that we put in at Selhurst against Liverpool a few weeks ago, we were absolutely brilliant. And if if not for an absolutely awful decision on that penalty that literally everyone except Jotter and Jürgen Klopp and I suppose the VAR referee think you know is is, is an atrocious award of a penalty if it's, if it's not for that the impetus of us we may well have got an equaliser there so we need to yeah not not be scared of what's coming obviously they're going to have they're going to have chances and it's going to be very difficult to beat them but we've done it we've done it once we kept a clean sheet against them at the Etihad which I would wager not many teams have, um, and we yeah we should be positive. And if if we lose, we lose into Man City, who are like you say probably going to win everything they've ended in. So it, it's not it's not a sort of black mark on the season, is it? So if if we lose, Vieira out. <laughs> well, I have to say I've got the absolute kiss of death came through on my phone uh, earlier today pseudo friend of the pod because he's never been on it and he never will be miserable dave who regular listeners will will remember me mentioning a few times owes me a pint who owes albert a pint by the way uh has been singing his version of a Vieira song which ends uh we win five in 35 and it was winding me up against brentford it pissed me off however he has texted me today uh, saying that he is starting to love Patrick Vieira. And that oh. is a very worrying thing for him to say. Um, he said, I'm starting to love Patrick Vieira, which isn't a good sign. He's either going to get shit or he'll leave us. So at least he knows what his jinx is. 
and then he followed up with no good can, can come from me loving Patrick Vieira. So now I'm worried that all this positivity that's emanating from the two of us is going to go down the toilet because miserable Dave agrees. <laughs> it's not a good I mean, sign. Your, your positivity, I don't know if it's something to do with Terence not being here, but you know, <laughs> even, I'm, even, even I'm sitting here a little bit taken aback at your positivity. I haven't even had any beer. Uh, well, well, maybe well, that's what it is. Uh, maybe well, the maybe beer should... dampens my spirits. No, listen, I think we should go straight on to predictions whilst you're still riding this crest of positivity. Okay. Okay. Um, I think we're going to lose. You'll be happy to hear. Okay. I think it, I, I think it will be 3-1, but I, I don't think it will be like a, we were never in it. I think we'll, we'll, we'll be in it, but we'll just they'll be a bit too strong for us. An, an honourable loss. Yes. I'm going to be... I mean, I, I, I don't want Liverpool to win the league, so I can't... Yeah. Myself, but, but I do want to... Obviously, I do want to get a point. So I'm, go, I'm going to go for a really optimistic one-all, uh, which even even I don't believe, but I'm just going to do it just because Terence isn't here to go. Who's off, you know, off his nut on new, new baby endorphins. He'd probably like, say, 5-1 Palace or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially with the, the crazy juice that he drinks, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for an overly optimistic one all. I mean, I think that's a pretty positive note to end on. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I, I feel like we can't if we stay on any longer. I'm going to talk myself out of all of that positivity. So. Exactly. Well, on that note, um, this pod. Well, you said it last week. Doesn't really matter when this pod comes out because if you're listening to us, then it's out. Um, but I'm sure there will be some sort of review show after Man City on Monday. I'm sure DR will do some sort of YouTube show after Man City. Uh, and I'm sure that we'll be back to preview the Everton Cup game, which is the following Sunday. Oh, it's so exciting. I don't want to think too far ahead because then I will get, I will get miserable. Well, listen, I'm saying it now. I've had to look that far ahead because FA Cup final weekend is Bernie's third birthday weekend. So I've already had to push his birthday party to the Sunday just in case we make it to the final. There, I've jinxed it. He won't remember it's fine. Yeah. And <laughs> on that note, um, sorry, Bernie. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and up the palace. Second child syndrome. There you go, Tell. There's a tip for you right there up the palace the TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.